Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that looks at the purpose of and the passion for trains, planes and automobiles. I'm David Brown and in this program we have news stories with David Campbell including Volkswagen pulls back on starting their new Turkish factory as sanctions bite. We sent our work experience person Emily Middleton to Canberra to sit in the passenger seat beside Molly Taylor in her works Subaru rally car. Emily, who drives a Camry, gives us her report. Alan Zervis has been driving the new Supra. He tells us what it's like. We have some motoring minutes end and some quirky news stories with Brian Smith. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or you can go to our Facebook site, Overdrive City. Our latest post is a lovely historical shot of the recently departed Andrew Cowan driving a rally car in the Southern Cross Rally in Australia in the 70s. But let's start the program with the news. Under a plan proposed by the Grattan Institute, Sydney and Melbourne drivers could face a congestion charge of $5 when entering and leaving the CBD during peak hours. In the second of its reports on congestion charging, the think tank says Australian governments can learn from cities around the world that have already successfully implemented congestion charging. These include London, Singapore, Stockholm and Milan, with New York the latest global city to embrace the concept, and Vancouver, Beijing and Jakarta not far behind. The Grattan Institute has suggested a $5 charge from 8am to 9.30 and from 4pm to 6pm on weekdays when entering and leaving the Zone CBD area. A $3 charge could also apply in the half hour either side of these times. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian has dismissed the suggestion of a congestion charge saying drivers already paid road tolls. She said the best way to reduce congestion into the future was to build major public transport projects. Volkswagen has postponed a board of management vote to sign off on a new 1.3 billion euro car factory in Turkey in the wake of the Turkish invasion of Kurdish-held areas of Syria and subsequent international backlash. The postponement came just weeks after the German company created a new subsidiary in Turkey to build up to 300,000 VW and Skoda vehicles a year in the west of the country. European media speculation suggests VW's main concern is the impact on the Turkish economy of possible international sanctions. The motor industry is a major driver of the Turkish economy, Many manufacturers operate factories there, producing a combined 1.6 million vehicles last year. Of those, 1.3 million were exported. Germany is one of Turkey's biggest trading partners, meaning decisions like those of VW are critical to the health of the Turkish economy. Sir James Dyson, the inventor of the bagless vacuum cleaner, has cancelled his ambitious plan to build an electric car because the project is not commercially viable. 
The company said while its automotive team had created a fantastic electric vehicle, the car was not commercially viable, but work would continue on a solid-state battery technology that it has developed. In an email to Dyson employees, founder Sir James Dyson said his company had tried to find a buyer for the project but without success. In scrapping the division, Dyson is shutting down its electric vehicle facilities in the UK and Singapore. Dyson announced the project in 2017 and around a year ago it unveiled plans for an electric vehicle factory in Singapore. It was supposed to have been finished in 2020 with production scheduled to start the following year. Ten European Union countries have now backed a proposal from Denmark to ban the sale of diesel and petrol cars by 2040. The Danish Climate and Energy Minister said that the ban will hopefully put pressure on the European Commission to the phasing out of fossil fuel-powered vehicles. He also suggested allowing individual countries to implement this measure if the EU could not agree on a union-wide ban. Bulgaria, Lithuania and other countries have suggested that more action is needed to stop carbon leakage, the selling of second-hand cars from Western Europe to Eastern Europe. Adaptive cruise control adjusts the car speed based on the vehicle in front, but have you ever lost confidence because it is adapting in a different way you know how to drive? Hyundai may just have the answer. Hyundai has developed the world's first machine learning based smart cruise control that drives in a pattern similar to the driver. For instance, even the same driver may accelerate differently in high speed, mid speed and low speed environments. So when a normal smart cruise control was activated, drivers might sense a difference to how they would normally do it, making them feel anxious and doubting that the car will do the right thing. The driving pattern can be categorized into three parts. Distance from preceding vehicles, how quickly it accelerates, and how quickly it responds to driving conditions. The system is planned for implementation in future vehicles. The winning team at this year's Bathurst 1000 has been fined a massive $250,000 for go-slow tactics towards the end of the race. Scott McLaughlin will remain the Bathurst champion but his teammates have been accused of some very dodgy tactics. Stewards from the Confederation of Australian Motorsport have conducted an investigation and accused McLaughlin's DJR Team Penske of conspiring to illegally slow down the rest of the field to allow the Kiwi to storm home to become King of the Mountain. For the sins, the second Penske car has been demoted from 6th to 21st place and the team has been fined $250,000, with $100,000 of it suspended until the end of 2021. It's the biggest fine in supercar history. It was decided that the team breached motor racing's governing body's obligation of fairness regulations. The stewards determined that the number two Penske car slowed to a crawl during a safety car incident to create an unjustified gap allowing McLaughlin to enter the pits and refuel in the closing stages of his win at Mount Panorama. And that has been the news. The Ute is an Australian invention designed by a farmer to take the pigs to market on Friday, the wife to church on Sunday. We have utes, then there are bigger utes, and even bigger utes again, like the American pickup trucks. Rob Fraser has spent a week in one of those. 
I have to admit I have a particular affinity for large American pickup trucks like the Ram 2500 Sport. It's big, it's bold, it's brash and dwarfs almost anything parked alongside. With a 6.7 litre Cummins diesel engine and a massive 1,084 newton metres of torque coming in at 1,600 revs, you can quite literally pull out a tree stump. It's packed with features such as air-conditioned front seats, heated steering wheel, fold-away mirrors, Bilstein tuned suspension and more. It's ideal for anyone who is towing a large caravan or a horse float and also makes a great outback tourer. From around $145,000 plus the usual costs, it's actually outstanding value when you compare it to the cost and capability of other large four-wheel drives. In addition, Ram trucks in Australia start out in the factory as right-hand drive vehicles and have a factory-backed warranty. Also, the remanufacturing facilities in Melbourne employ some 300 Australians. It's definitely on my Christmas wish list. You're listening to Overdrive. Emily Middleton is doing a communications degree at Macquarie University and she's been doing some work here for Overdrive. So we sent her on a mission. She popped down to Canberra to sit beside Molly Taylor in her Subaru Works rally car just to see what it's like. Well, to report on that adventure she joins us on the line now so emily in your family has there been any history of involvement in motor racing no not at all nothing really i believe you drive a camry yes (laughs) not that we should over stereotype with that how did you feel in the car i honestly felt quite safe because i was so Mm -hmm. strapped in and so quite tightly in there that I felt like nothing could happen to me. And I I also felt very in control of, well, clearly I wasn't driving, but I felt like Molly was in control. It sort of felt like a roller coaster, but in a safe way. (laughs) Well, roller coasters are meant to be safe. Yes, that's true. Yeah, exactly. uh, The speed, were you surprised at that? Yes, I definitely was. I was trying to look at the abdominal while she was driving, but I was more focused on where we were going. But I saw that it was clocking over 200, and I was very, very surprised that it could even a car could go that fast. Because I know that in my Camry, it can go up to, say, 260, but I didn't know people could ever sort of get there in the car. On a dirt road. Especially on a dirt road, yeah. <laughs> I would presume you've probably never been in a car doing 200 kilometres an hour. No, not at all. Nowhere close to it. That is remarkably fast, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Yet one of the big issues, of course, is then also stopping and slowing down for tight corners. Was the forces involved in that more than you have experienced? How did you react to those? I was expecting there to be a lot of sort of whiplash and a lot of I was going to be thrown around sort of thing but I didn't feel that at all. Molly would slow down but it wasn't too slow. It didn't get very Mm. uncontrolled. It was still just a very fast turn but it was still very controlled. I wasn't being thrown around or anything like that which is not what I expected. How did you find Molly? She was lovely. She was really really lovely. Very reassuring. Very fun to talk to, which was nice. I got to be her co-driver for a little bit. She explained to us her her notes that the co-driver reads, and it's almost like a different language. And just for a bit of fun, she got us to read them to her. And when we were reading them, clearly we have no idea sort of whereabouts each note is meant to be read. 
but we read them out and she'd just sort of laugh at us while we were while she was driving. She's like, Oh, that was that was two hundred meters ago. <laughs> You're quite you're quite behind in the note. <laughs> well, by the time you said the corner, the speed and perhaps the gear to be in, it had yeah. been and gone. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Did you get the bug? Do you do you think that you might ever dabble a little in uh, going faster on a controlled environment, in a controlled environment? I did get the rush. It was a lot of fun, but I don't know if I can trust myself driving that fast. I would definitely go again with somebody else driving, but maybe not myself. I don't think my mother would like it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you describe the experience to your parents and what was their reaction? I did describe to them, but they, I sort of said to them that I was going extremely fast, but I felt in control. And they just sort of laughed at me and they were like, how is it possibly controlled? And I was like, you don't, you don't quite understand because you haven't been in it, but it, mm. it is very controlled and also very fast at the same time. And they, just, they couldn't comprehend that. Emily, lovely to talk to you. Thank you for doing that for us. Thank you. We, we uh, hope that it's been a part of a very valuable experience. It definitely has. Thank you very much. That's Emily Middleton, who is doing a communication, just about to finish it off, and is helping us here on the Overdrive program. And if you would like to volunteer some time to the Overdrive program, like Emily, in researching material or radio production or even video production, we can't guarantee a trip to Canberra to ride in a rally car, but there is some fun and practical experience to be had. Send your details to david at drivenmedia.com.au You're listening to Overdrive. Kia is one of the few car companies that's growing sales this year. And now they've launched another model. David Brown was on hand to give it a go. Kia's brand new model is called the Seltos. They say it's from Greek mythology, some say it's Roman. Anyway, it's a small SUV, but it's not tiny, being slightly larger than a Hyundai Kona. There are one of two petrol engines and new CVT or 7-speed dual-clutch gearboxes. They are pitching the cars with quality features. Depending on the model, you can get an 8- or 10-inch infotainment screen. The top specification GT line has heads-up display and heated and ventilated front seats and a sunroof or two-tone paint. Typical Kia value for money, the drive-away prices range from $26,000 to $42,000. You're listening to Overdrive. In Japan, Toyota had a car they called the Celica, but then morphed into the Celica Supra. And the Supra name has been around, but they stopped manufacturing in 2002. They have just recently brought in a new Supra with much fanfare. And having driven one just recently is our good friend Alan Zervis, who joins us on the line now. G'day, Alan. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I thought the last Supra was rather bland in some ways at the front. Is this new one better looking? I think it's an absolute peach. It's got slices and slashes all over the place. Of course, it was uh, developed in uh, joint with um, BMW, so it looks very much like a Z4 with a new front, new back, and it's got a 
sort of a deeply scallop roof. I've got to say the tail on it, to my mind, is not to my liking. It looks rather stubby and droopy in a way. But you differ, don't you? Oh, look, I think it's just stunning from back to front. And I tell you what, I took it out last night uh, down to the Opera House to take a few nighttime shots. And I think it looks particularly stunning at night. They've done a smart job of the lights. Turn heads? Absolutely. In fact, people have been, you know, sort of shouting things from other cars and from the from the footpath. And it, yeah, it's, I haven't had this much attention since I was, uh, oh gosh, 18. That's not the way you drive. It's the car? Well, many's the, many's the time. I've, uh, I've been actually standing still at light, so I don't think my driving had much to do with it. Okay, yes, I, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. Are we talking a lot of power? Relative to weight, it's 1,465-odd uh, kilos, and it's got 250 kilowatts and 500 newton metres. So, yeah, it's, it's got quite a lot of power for the weight. What sort of motor has it got? It's a straight six with a twin scroll turbo. Uh, it's, BMW was pretty much one of the few car makers on the market to still have a straight six, let alone a turbocharged one. Uh, and it puts it out through an eight-speed automatic, which is unbelievably beautiful. Very smooth? Extremely smooth. And in sports mode, very sharp as well. How many seats has it got? Just two seats and a boot that's about, oh gosh, 220 litres or thereabouts. So a shade over 200 anyway. And uh, there is a bit of space behind the front seats if you put them forward a smidgen for, you know, a couple of shopping bags or whatever. Oh, OK. That's that's a good idea. It's like that used to get in utes, wasn't it? That a utility with no space behind the seats is incredibly inconvenient. Whereas if you, you've got a bag or something, you can just put it there. That's a good idea. Boot of 200 is not huge, but for a sports car, it's not bad. It's not bad. The openings are quite narrow, so you can't, you're not going to fit anything big in there anyway. But look, this is, I think of it as a GT. This is a genuine GT, lots of muscle, space inside for two. You are uh, somewhat limited. There's a couple of cup holders which replace the centre uh, console bin, and the glove box is what I'd call enormous, and the door pockets are quite small. So if you want to take anything in the car with you, you can sort of get through to the boot from inside the cabin. Uh, your mobile phone fits into the uh, charging tray, which is at the front of the console, which is probably its best feature. It's even got a little thing to stop it from sliding out. Oh, what a good idea. I presume it's the sort of car that you might go away for a nice weekend where you don't have to take your pyjamas. Oh, I <laughs> well, I don't do those weekends, Dave, and perhaps you and your good lady wife do. Well, I meant in terms of packing space. Oh, I see. I see I'm with you now. Far be it from me for my mind to wander. Did you take it on a trip that extended its ability? I took it down to Macquarie Pass. Ah, Macquarie Pass. Wait, down past Wollongong there. So we went down from the top, uh, which is through Barrel, so the heart of the Southern Highlands, Pretty as a picture, you head down towards the coast and it's a, a series of uh, switchbacks and beautiful gentle sweeping bends down the side of a mountain, through a pass, through rainforest and out into gentle farmland. Macquarie Pass itself is almost racetrack or hill climb, isn't it? You went down the hill climb, which is, seems okay, but uh, you know, there's some pretty tight bends. Well, I did go down and up and down and up again. So, yes. <laughs> okay, but but uh, sadly, the reason we had to do that is uh, you've been down there yourself, that if you get stuck behind someone, you do pretty much 20 all the way. 
and that happened to us and we, we sort of pulled off the side of the road to get a bit of leeway. But once you get going, it's just a joy. And in sports mode, that straight six cylinder with that twin scroll turbo it just sings. It is just beautiful. Uh, only a small fuel tank, though. We managed uh, about nine-ish litres per 100 kilometres. 52 litres in a sports car that's a six-cylinder is pretty small. What's it cost? It comes in two trim levels, a GT and a, a GR rather and a GTS. GR is a smidge over 92,000 on the road and the GTS is a smidge over 102,000. I'm not sure that those extra things you get for 10 grand is worth money. You don't get any more power. So I'd stick with the GR. Alan, lovely to talk to you. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. Alan Zervis, and we were talking about the Toyota Supra. The last previous model went out in August 2002, but now they've come back with a flurry and a lot of publicity with a car that has been, as Alan says, jointly developed with BMW. You're listening to Overdrive. Whether it's for a delivery van or maybe a camper van base, the Volkswagen Crafter has always been a popular choice. But now they've added something extra to make it even more special. Rob Fraser tells us what. I've just spent another week in the Volkswagen Crafter with the 4Motion capability. The added benefits are definitely worth the $4,500 asking price as it provides substantially more practicality for the van. The 4Motion is available in all the body types and in addition to a long list of standard and optional features, the 4Motion variants can be optioned with a mechanical diff lock and hill descent control for those more adventurous drives. I liked my time in the Crafter. The driving position was comfortable. There is a heap of storage areas including under seats and for a bigger van it drives remarkably well. It runs a 2 litre turbo diesel engine, an 8 speed automatic transmission and obviously the 4 motion drives all 4 wheels. 4 motion variants of the Volkswagen Crafter are on sale now and priced from around about $58,000 plus the usual costs. You're listening to Overdrive. And back again for some quirky news and as often as we possibly can, we have Brian Smith on the line. Go, Brian. G'day, David. Brian, the story of a young fellow who was uh, driving himself. Yeah, so this is um, this is a, a story of tenacity and, and uh, can-do spirit. It's American, of course, um, and it goes to Minnesota, where um, a two-year-old drove himself to the county fair on his toy tractor. So a little one of those electric tractor thingies. He was... Uh, he went missing on a Friday night, and uh, the police received a call. A uh, bit of searching was done, and they actually found that he he wanted to go to the to the fair, which was just down the road from his house. He so he decided to drive himself there. He was only two. He just uh, jumped on the on his little tractor and uh, out the out the back of his house and across to the back entrance of the of the county fair, where he was found uh, next to the Tilter Whirl, which was apparently his favourite ride. Uh, at the um, at the fair, his license has been suspended uh, apparently by, just by removing the battery out of his uh, out of his car. I've got to say, the removal of the battery is one of the my first moves on Christmas morning. Actually, <laughs> it's a battery car. The the child should be rewarded. Oh yes, electric. He'll be addressing the United Nations soon. <laughs> yes, he could drive it all the way there and then get vilified by yes. Every redneck in the country. I admire the lad. I think he's uh, done remarkably well. 
initiative. He's got initiative, but it's a John Deere. I think has that one we've done stories on as to whether they then claim the right to still own the software that's in it. So yeah. perhaps he's going to face the wrath of corporate America rather than the judicial system. Well, I guess the father could have probably called John Deere and been told where the child was. <laughs> um, John Deere might have been able to remotely turn it off for him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember tuning cars in the past? Do you remember... Oh, yeah. Yep. Tuning a distributor. Yep, sitting in the engine bay with the screwdriver. And, of course, yep. a strobe. Yes, to get the timing right. Yep. Times change. Uh, you can now buy a distributor to fit an old car, but it can be operated by Bluetooth. <laughs> what, you can tune it using, yeah. what, your mobile phone or something? Well, it's now going back to the old Rolls-Royce, where you used to pull the lever on the steering wheel to advance or retard. Oh, yes. The spark. Yeah. Well, now you can, I've always said this. In the past, we used to have grease under our fingernails as we worked on cars. Now it'll be plug your computer in yeah. and play with those numbers. Well, of course, David, I remember when we were driving that Volvo in the Dutton Rally and the representative from Volvo, that was many years ago, plugged the laptop into the car and changed the car's performance. For our races. I mean, I was blown away by that. He just <laughs> plugged that thing in and communicated with it and and gave us some more power. Amazing. Do you think he might have regretted it? <laughs> I think he regretted letting you drill a, <laughs> a, a holes, the holes in the floor for the fire extinguisher. <laughs> I had to put a fire extinguisher in. <laughs> Who would have thought a modern car would have electricals in the floor? <laughs> You know, Wheels magazine reported the car was driven like it was stolen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other heritage one, you can now get dials that look like the old dials that put in your Jaguar or old MG or so on with the outside face, but all the electronics behind it are all modern, even to the point that you could even have a Speedo in there that's run off a satellite that picks up where you're going so it gives you the true speed rather than the speed you know uh, not plus or minus it's got to be minus you know it can be up to 10 percent or so inaccurate uh, so that you don't break the law well this will give it to mm. you exactly that's why when you're going down a highway and you're sitting in a car right on 100 and 100 kilometers an hour and a truck passes you you say oh he's fudged the system no he's working on a system that's absolutely accurate Oh, okay, yeah. Time's changed, Brian. Time's changing. All right, mate. Catch you up next time. Thanks, David. Brian Smith talking some, well, modern developments that sadly make us shake our heads here on Overdrive. And uh, this has been Overdrive. My special thanks to Brian Smith, Emily Middleton, Alan Zervis and Paul Just for their great help in producing this program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au and previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.